right, folks, uh, welcome to Pastor's Point of View. This is Pastor's Point of View number 184. Today is October the 29th. 2021. We have a special pastor's point of view today. I'm joined uh, in studio with my good friend Olivier Melnick. So, Olivier, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. And let me explain why he's here today. Um, He has a special, well, I believe it's a special burden that God has placed on his heart, and it's a special calling. He is a born-again evangelical Christian, but he has a passion for exposing anti-Semitism in the church, in the world, you name it. This is his wheelhouse. This is his specialty. And so, Olivier, uh, with no further ado, let's just jump right in because I've got 15 questions uh, we'd like you to answer because we want to become, in this uh, session familiar with you and your ministry, and even beyond that, we want to become familiar with what anti-Semitism is and why we as Christians should care about it, etc. So with that being said, let's just jump right in. Uh, Give us your background. In other words, how did you um, get saved, and how did you end up with this kind of specialty in ministry? Uh, well, we'll start with the background. Briefly, I was born in Paris, France, mm-hmm. in, the, in the late 50s, and uh, Jewish parents, uh, both uh, Holocaust and war survivors. And um, so I, I was brought up in a, an agnostic, uh, non-religious Jewish family, but nonetheless, I knew that we were Jewish. There was a Jewish culture, Jewish food, Jewish uh, family. Uh, but no religion, no Hebrew school, mm-hmm. no no synagogue, and uh, so that was my bringing. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'll probably come back to that in, 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 in later in the story if 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 it makes sense. But uh, uh, I moved to the states. Uh, I fell in love with America, and I, I wanted to visit. So I visit a few times as a student, and then in 1981, I met a young lady in California who uh, would end up becoming my wife mm-hmm. of 38 years last month. Wow, congratulations. And But when I wanted to marry her, she said, I cannot marry unequally yoked. I had no idea what she's talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And basically, she uh, showed me the Bible. She showed me Old Testament scripture. Uh, the Bible did not impress me. She uh, got a hold of her parents in California, and, and she said, send me some stuff. And her father sent her the late great planet Earth. Oh, wow. I read the book. On the subway, going to work in Paris, missed my stop a few times. Wow. I was so into it. And this man was really impressing me. Same scripture I was reading Mm -hmm. in the Bible, but he was impressing me. He was like, prophecy fulfilled, prophecy fulfilled, short chapters. Mm -hmm. And then he got. That's that's the book by Hal Lindsey. Yeah. Hal Lindsey, absolutely. And then when I got to the second part about the second coming of Messiah and the to be fulfilled prophecy, it really made sense to me. Like, if it's literally fulfilled in the first coming if it's going to happen it's going to be literal too and i got to the place about the rapture Mm -hmm. and i freaked out because i didn't want to be separated Mm -hmm. so i uh, I remember asking my wife i mean is it really true i mean do you believe in that and she explained to me she said i don't have the details but i believe we're going to be taken up taken by the by the lord and those who don't believe will be left behind Mm -hmm. and uh that was uh Summer of 1983, when I just asked my Messiah to come in my life and became a believer. And mm-hmm. then uh, it's been an adventure ever since. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was in France. And then we moved back to the States. Okay. 
Now, that's interesting because a lot of people can trace their spiritual roots back to Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet. book. Now, I didn't get saved through that book, but I got interested in prophecy, uh, which I spent a lot of time talking about these days because of the influence of that book. So it's interesting how the Lord has used that yeah. you know, all over the world. Absolutely. So from there... How did you develop this? I mean, obviously, it's your Jewish heritage, but how did you develop this interest in exposing anti-Semitism? Uh, it was always in the back of my mind because of my upbringing and because of the fact that my mother's story uh, is is a story of surviving the Holocaust, escaping the Holocaust to hide on a farm, mm-hmm. losing her father in Auschwitz. So this was always part of our family. Uh, but it's not until I was uh, at the Moody Bible Institute mm-hmm. in uh, uh, in the late nineties, uh, and I was um, uh, challenged mm-hmm. by uh, Dr. Rydelnik, mm-hmm. my, my professor at the very, time, very well known, yeah. professor of Jewish studies, Messianic Jew, mm-hmm. and uh, he challenged me. He said, "Olivier, I would like you to put together a sermon to present to a congregation on Psalm eighty three. So I did, and you know, Psalm eighty three talking about the enemies of Israel, sure. and there's, yeah. we can have a whole show on that. And there's different views, absolutely." Too. Yeah. Different views, but the bottom line was, uh, I wanted to find illustrations on that uh, uh, for that uh, sermon that would have something to do with current anti-Semitism. So I started looking on the news, and lucky for me, when I did the uh, the the message, it was two thousand at the time of the second intifada. So okay. I found plenty of stuff that I could use mm-hmm. to illustrate the point I was trying to make in that sermon, mm-hmm. and that's how it got started. I never really picked anti-Semitism as oh. I'd like to teach on that, that that'll be interesting for mm-hmm. the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it happened. Mm-hmm. The Lord put it on my lap, and when I got started, I just couldn't go back because there's not that many people who do it right. in-depth, seriously, and from a Jewish perspective, from and a from Jewish a believer's perspective, perspective as well. Amen. So that's very unique. Yeah. Well, with that being said, can you give us, um, before we get too deep into the subject, can you give us uh, a brief introduction to your ministry? You've already done that, but your your websites, I know you have a blog, mm-hmm. and some of your books. Okay, I uh, for the almost 24 years now, I've been part of a, a, a greater ministry that takes the message of Yeshua, Jesus, to the Jewish people globally, uh, Chosen People Ministries. And I'm uh, currently, uh, recently actually, serving as the Southwest Reg- Regional Director because we uh, defected from uh, Seattle and we moved to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah. You happen to like Lone Star States. Uh, I love Texas bar- I love and, barbecue. and Israel. Right, right, right. The, the two Lone Star states, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, serve uh, as the uh, Southwest Regional Director for Chosen People Ministries and the Director of Training, and I also serve on the French Board. That's the, the global, the, 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 the big umbrella ministry. Uh, um, me, within that ministry, I have a... a, a, a um, uh, a ministry within the ministry of teaching against anti-Semitism. I have a blog at newantisemitism.com mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and a YouTube channel, uh, Today Through Jewish Eyes. If you check Olivia Melnick, Today Through Jewish Eyes, mm-hmm. you'll find me when I put a lot of my uh, teaching, uh, daily devotional and teaching from a Jewish perspective mm-hmm. and several books. Uh, uh, I think uh, uh, the books I've written is like three on anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the first one that I wrote as a result of Rydelnik challenging me mm-hmm. took seven years of research and that's the one you're talking about that you're showing it, the, uh, mm-hmm. they have conspired against you. Yeah, they have conspired against you. There's uh, one of them. How that, to now respond. That's, that's Psalm 83? Uh, that's, th- this is 
from Summit. Okay. So you're, uh-huh. you're correct, yes. And that book actually came out of seven years of study mm-hmm. and research. Uh, and the other more current one that I published, I think, uh, f- three years ago is End Times Antisemitism. Nobody n- that I know of is calling uh, what's happening right now End Times Antisemitism. I, I have a reason that I call it that way. We can develop that later if you want. Okay. Uh, but uh, I don't see anybody calling it. They keep calling it the new antisemitism. And I, I, I see a progression. I'll give you in a nutshell because now Jews are being killed again. Mm under the the, the the new anti-Semitism. So it's 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 kicked up a notch. Mm-hmm. And I I take it back to 2012. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that's maybe more details than we need, but uh, I see end times anti-Semitism being a, a reality right now where it's going to get worse. And mm-hmm. I mean, biblically speaking, we know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, his blog is great, folks. We've quoted it extensively in some of our shows here on Thank Pastor's you. Point of View. I think you mentioned it, but let me reiterate this. He has a one-minute devotional, and I love the marketing because you can't say you're too busy to watch something for a minute. And so he comes on uh, his station, I think on Facebook, and it's it's, it's, it's archived there, and he gives like a one-minute devotional, usually something from Tanakh. Hebrew Bible, some Old Testament, New Testament also. It's basically every day, it's fresh. Every day I do yeah. my devotion in the morning and I pick a verse yeah. and I do a commentary yeah. on that. And it only lasts for a minute. So it's just a great way to get get centered with the Lord uh, as you start the day. His books are great and so I hope people will start to you know, take advantage of what this man has to offer. Um, I think we've already covered number three here. You teach against anti-Semitism. Right. Why, how, since when? Uh, we can skip that one where we didn't skip it. We 2000, kind of, basically, about 21 years. So you've been at this for 21 years, mm-hmm. and you trace the impetus to this back to this assignment you got from Rydelnik. Oh, yeah, definitely. Before I was aware of it, but I was not doing anything about it. Okay. And, 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 and I started gathering information from, from the news, and then it piled up and piled up and piled up, and I would teach the same message on Psalm 83 because being a missionary, sure. you're a pastor, you have to preach something new every week. I'm a missionary, I can go to 40 churches and speak the same message. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a lot easier. Yeah. So I would go to ch- churches and speak that message and, you know, fine-tune it and get new stuff from the news, and then people would come to me and say, you have, have you written a book? I said, no, nah, I'm not a writer. Well, five books later, yeah. you know. And, and so so I, you've got five books. Five books. And, uh, uh, and those are all accessible at your website. We, uh, my website and on Amazon. And Amazon, okay. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to the nitty-gritty here. Uh, question number four. Please define anti-Semitism. And before you do that, let me give you my definition, and you could correct tweak it. it. <laughs> correct it. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. But when I speak on anti-Semitism, I always define it as, and the words to me are very important in this definition, I define it as the transgenerational. So in other words, this is not a new thing. This has been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. The transgenerational, irrational, because there's no logic to it in my mind, other than the angelic kingdom, the demons, which we'll talk about later. But the trans, a transgenerational, irrational hatred for the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Yeah. That's my understanding or definition of anti-Semitism. What would you? Where would you go with it? I like the word transgener- transgenerational, except I can't say it. It's too long. <laughs> I like that word because it really shows the the continuity, the, the continuum. Yes. It's yeah. it, it, anti-Semitism, and I've been using that word for for a little while now. It, anti-Semitism has been on a continuum. You know, it, it really it, it shows the uh, it's it. it it didn't start in a vacuum, but my definition is anti-Semitism is the irrational. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. That word is very important. Mm-hmm. Is the irrational hatred of the Jewish people. But then you have to go a little step further. Okay. I go characterized by either thoughts, uh, words, or deeds, or any of the three. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I, I added a little more today. But anti-Semitism is the irrational hatred of the Jewish people. Characterized by thoughts, words, or deeds. Mm-hmm. Well, I love thoughts um, because David, in First Chronicles twenty-one verse one, I think it is, decided to number the troops. And what that verse says, it's the devil that put that idea into his mind. So that's as we're going to talk about in a second. That's where anti-Semitism comes from, and Satan, as the prince and power of the air is interested in influencing thoughts. And Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, as a man thinks, so he is. So I had a pastor that put it this way one time. He said, private thoughts ultimately lead to public actions. So thoughts is a big deal in this, wouldn't you say? Thoughts, that's where it starts. Mm -hmm. Thoughts, and then uh, very often the thoughts will, you know, I mean, usually they, they, they lead to words. You mm-hmm. say things, you, yeah. you express your thoughts. Sure. Uh, when it gets really bad, it's when it, the words become actions, yeah. which, of course, we see through the history of the sure. Jewish people, the actions have led to the death of millions. So a war of words leads ultimately to a physical war. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's go here to number four, and we've already touched on this, but what is the spiritual cause of anti-Semitism? Let me give you my quick take on it. Andy, that's number five. Uh, yeah, that's number five. We just hit I, number four. I, I don't get a lot of chances <laughs> correcting you, so whenever <laughs> I can, if it's not that's theological, right. I'll correct you. Please correct away. Um Number five, yes. what is the spiritual cause of anti-Semitism? Now, here I'm looking at Matthew 23, verse 39. And as you know, Matthew is the most uh, Hebraic or Jewish gospel you know, that we have. Well, the theme is the king of the Jews. The theme is all about Israel, and it's written, you go back to the earliest church fathers, and they all acknowledge that Matthew was the first gospel written to a Hebrew Christian audience. So it deals with this subject of Israel mm-hmm. extensively. And Jesus, or Yeshua, the Hebrew name for Jesus, mm-hmm. in Matthew twenty three thirty nine, to the Pharisees, the very end of the chapter, says, I say to you, from now on you, I take that as a generic you, mm-hmm. the you is Israel in general, You will not see me again until you, Israel, say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. By the way, you know that well in Hebrew. What is that? Baruch haba b'ashem Adonai. Yeah, look at that. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Psalm 118, verse 26, which is a messianic psalm. And what the Lord is saying is, I'm not coming back for Israel. Now, this is not the rapture for the church. Mm -hmm. This is the second advent at the end of the 70th week of Daniel. I'm not coming back for you, and I'm not going to come back to protect you from the beast and establish my kingdom through you, which he has to do, or else the covenants that he's made in the Old Testament are meaningless. meaningless. I'm not going to do any of that until you meet a condition. 
you have to publicly cite Psalm 118, verse 26. You have to publicly acknowledge me as the Messiah, or the second advent can't happen. Yeah. That's it, my. And Toussaint in class put it this way. He says, you could have the whole world. I like that. Go into a revival. And every, all the Gentile nations get saved, but if tiny Israel is in unbelief, the second advent can't happen. And the opposite can happen. The whole world could reject Christ, but if tiny Israel acknowledges Christ as the Messiah, corporately, corporately. corporately then the second advent can happen. That's crazy, isn't it? it it's true. Well, it's the outworking of God's purposes. Now, yeah. Satan knows that verse, and I yes. think what he thinks is, well, I'll stop this from happening because I enjoy being the prince and power of the air. I don't want to you know, give up my throne, so I'll kill every single Jew on planet Earth. So there'll be no one left to do this. He knows. And, you know, and that's the simple explanation of anti-Semitism. That's it. That, that's okay. it. Basically, no, uh, to, to reiterate what you just said, Andy, uh, basically the way, I, the way I say it is in other words, words is that uh, Satan doesn't like his retirement plan <laughs> and uh, he, he does not want to retire and he wants to continue being yeah. in charge or, or or thinking that he is in charge and so if he can stop the Jewish people from calling on the one whom they have pierced yeah. Zechariah 12 Bill 10, 10 uh-huh. uh, he's He's got it all, you know, he's, he's, that's his plan. So how can he do it? Well, by, by making sure that they don't go, by either eliminating them uh, completely uh, through people hating the Jews and killing them, which we've seen over the centuries, and also by, by putting the Jews against Jesus, mm. by, by saying that, you know, that Jesus is every anything goes but Jesus. Yeah. So it's either people killing Jews or the Jews not wanting to have mm-hmm. anything to do with Jesus, which is in both ways working towards uh, uh, in a, to, uh, uh, towards uh, Satan's um, mm-hmm. agenda. Yeah. Of course, he's not going to win. Right. But uh, n- not winning at the end doesn't mean there can be casualties throughout yes, the whole process. Yes. And there's been a lot of casualties, and I'm afraid there will be more. Well, in 1988, I went to Germany. This was before the wall came down. Uh, it was the summer of 88, and I was a basketball, college basketball player, so we took a summer I trip. why. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, a good, it was a good 50 pounds ago also, but we, so we, won't, we won't go into that. But, and my wife's back there saying, no, it was about 100 pounds ago, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, I went there, and we traveled everywhere in Germany, and we went to Dachau. Now, this was before Schindler's List came out, and so we toured the showers where Jews were rushed out of boxcars, breathing heavy. And, you know, you go into the shower and poisonous gas comes out. And you walk through those types of places and you just say to yourself, how could this level of evil have happened? To me, this is the only explanation. It's ultimately satanic. It's part of a satanic plan to wipe the Jews from the face of the earth. So many books... Great books have yes. been written to to explain away the Holocaust, which, of course, even from our perspective, we can't do, but n- not not fully, at least. But so many books have been written that way. But they, if they don't have that spiritual connection, if they don't have the yeah. the, the, the angle that we have right now, they're missing the mark. Yeah. Because, you, like you said, you cannot explain what took place it's unless there is a satanic, demonic influence behind it. Yeah. yeah. Well, this. Uh is a good segue into number six. Is anti-Semitism a sign of the last days scenario? I'm going to say yes because this is your final answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to answer. You're the expert. You're going to you're going to supplement or contradict or whatever 
you know you want to do, which is fine. Um, but Revelation twelve verses six through seventeen, mm-hmm. which happens second half of the tribulation, uh, after the temple's been desecrated, Satan, who still has access to God's throne, loses that privilege. He can still go into God's presence, as I understand it, to you know, not to worship and serve as he once did as a high-ranking angel but to communicate and accuse. So that privilege is gone, and when you study the second half of Revelation 12, he plummets to the earth, he has a short time left. A short time in context is 1,260 days, it's the second half of the tribulation, and he's got exactly three and a half years or 42 months or a time, times and a half a time, all synonyms, to, to blot out the Jewish people. So, by my way of thinking, as anti-Semitism intensifies, it's, it's a sign that we're moving closer to the zenith of anti-Semitism in the last days. We know from Zechariah 12, verse 3, that all the nations will come against Jerusalem. Right. All would mean all, wouldn't it? Including America. Including the late, great United States of America, if we're even around. Yeah. You know, if you want, you know, happens. people say, you know, is America in, in Bible prophecy? <laughs> yeah, well, it's right, right, right there. Right you know, there. not by name, but it's right there. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, then you move to chapter 14, verse 2, and God says the same thing. He's going to gather all the nations, and this time it's going to be against Jerusalem. So, gosh, when I see anti-Semitism in our world, I say, wow, we're getting close to the end of the age. So how would you answer that? I I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, lately in the last couple of years, uh, you know, we can't keep up with what's going on. And uh, uh, to to connect this a little bit with current events, uh, and not really that we have a lot of time to to get into those details, but when I see what's happening in Israel right now mm-hmm. and how the current government of Israel is pushing towards what I think is the uh, the the more of the new world order and then the uh, uh, facilitating what we know the Antichrist is going to be doing when he comes on the stage, I'm, I'm I can't believe it's happening. Mm-hmm. Of all places, Israel is of actually Israel, setting yeah. the stage. For, for the Antichrist to come and, and continue the work. I don't know if you see it the same way with no, the I new do. government, with, uh, with uh, Naftali Bennett. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I, nothing against the man, but he's like, what he's doing uh, is, is, I think, speeding up the yeah. process of, of the, uh, the introduction of the Antichrist, which I believe will not, we will not see him in person. Right. Well, pre-trib rapture. Yes. We, believe, yes. we both believe in the pre-trib rapture. Absolutely. But um, they have to sign the peace treaty in unbelief. Yeah. Which starts the tribulation. Right. And Isaiah twice in chapter 28 calls it a covenant with Sheol. So as Israel moves in this direction, I guess we shouldn't be shocked by that. No. It's a little bit counterintuitive. I'm not, I'm not shocked. I'm just uh, saddened, yeah. concerned, and it, just, it, it should invite uh, Bible-believing uh, Christians to, to double their efforts on, on, on reaching out to the Jewish community yeah. with the gospel. Amen. Um, and we're going to talk about how to do that in a little bit. Uh, this takes us to number seven. This has sort of been asked it's and answered ca- already, but do you think anti-Semitism is on the rise today? Now, here's an article. How do you pronounce that? Ha-aretz? Ha-aretz. Ha-aretz. The, uh, uh, the land. The land. And you, Olivier blogged about this, and we've read 
parts twice. of his article twice. Okay, well, when it happened in 2017, and then when it happened again this year, the, the follow up to it. Yeah, you want to introduce the story? Well, basically, and I, I don't know if we have time to go in the whole story, but it's the killing of a dog is worse than murdering a Jew. So if you throw a, a dog out of a window in France, and this guy was doped up, I guess. Well, yeah, the, 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 you need to, uh, you need to, I need to kind of go for it, go for it for, for a minute because uh, people are going to think it's about a dog. And so, uh, uh, basically, a woman by the name of Sarah Halimi, a uh, retired French uh, Jewish woman, was thrown out of a window of her second level uh, window apartment in Paris and killed by a uh, Muslim neighbor, a young man mm-hmm. who, um, you know, you know, shouted, uh, you know, verses from the Quran as he killed his Jew, as mm-hmm. he said. And um, turns out that was in 2017. And in 2021, four years later, he, uh, uh, he, the French, uh, the highest court in French, uh, the, called, the, called the Cour de Cassation, which mm-hmm. is like the Supreme Court of France, mm-hmm. decided that they were going to... Th- which is where you're from originally. Right, right. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, do you think people can't pick up the accent? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not from Texas. You never know. <laughs> so, uh, uh, <clears throat> the the highest court decided that they were not going to try him. Not even not even going to try him and let him o- let him go. They were not going to try him because he was high on cannabis, mm-hmm. which opened the door to anybody wanting to just smoke a joint and go kill somebody, mm-hmm. basically. But but then uh, I found out that in France, if you throw a dog or a cat, a pet, through the window of of your apartment. And they die, you get up to one year in prison. Wow. No matter what, one year in prison. But if you throw a Jew out the window, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. That's that's the message it's sending. Right. It's, it's, it's well, I remember insane. how you ended your blog piece. It was something, it was very powerful. It was something to the effect of, I guess in France, a dog is more important than a Jew. You know, based that's on this unequal, unequal yeah. treatment that's that's there. That is the message it's sending. And these kind of things are in ascendancy. Yes. Um, here's another article, and I was shocked to <laughs> read about this. We included it in our pastor's point of view last week, but it was an, actually a conference, a Hamas-sponsored conference, where they were acting as if when Israel disappears, in other words, it was a done deal as far as their thought, thinking was concerned. When Israel disappears, we have a problem because we can't kill every Jew because we're going to have too much brain drain. And we need to keep some of them around because they have expertise in medicine and technology. I read the article. And so they're having a whole conference about – I mean, I'm laughing, but I'm crying. Well, they, I'm laughing out of astonishment. They're having a whole conference about once Israel disappears – Here's why we're going to save just a few Jewish. Let's lives. get organized. Who do we kill first? Yeah. and and you know, I read it and I thought. First of all, I don't think anybody is taking them seriously. But the problem is they take themselves they seriously, take them and we know that Hamas will not stop at anything yeah. to kill more Jews. But here's the thing that I think is a little bit of a double standard. They are realizing in their by their own admission in the article that I read, they said, you know, we have to prioritize we can you know all those who went after our people we can kill them but those who are doctors and lawyers and 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 and, and scientists we have to be careful because they have a lot to offer so which is true i mean mm-hmm. that that is true but sure. what's interesting is that all along for for decades now the 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 the, the, the hamas and 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 the people that that adhere to their agenda they keep calling jews pigs and apes mm. with no brains so are we pigs and apes with no brains or do we have something to offer to society yeah. it can be both yeah. they're admitting that 
I'm not saying Jews are the most, the smartest sure. people in the world, sure. but they're admitting here that some Jews are. So it's again, it's it's always double standards. Uh, I. I don't think people are going to take them seriously, well, but but they're dangerous. It just shocks me that, that they would have a conference like this. It's like, let's have a conference about any other group and, and say, when and we get rid of them, here's the ones we're going to save and here's why. And that conference is probably okay to advertise on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. You know, that's nobody's going to stop them. Yeah. I haven't checked, but I wouldn't be surprised. Right. And now here's a map of Israel. Um, and people need to keep this map in mind. That green area is Islamic countries. Mm -hmm. That little red dot that you can hardly see that we have to put an arrow up to is Israel. Right. And they were not going to show you this on CNN, by the way, this map. No. Because they want you to believe, I call it the transforming David into Goliath uh, strategy, where they want you to believe that Israel's the cause of all of the problems in that region mm -hmm. and all over the world. And... How could that be when it's just a little tiny nation? You remember the song by Bob Dylan, <laughs> The Neighborhood Bully? No. Yeah, but that's exactly what the song is all about. Okay. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, he wrote it, I think, in a, during the, his Christian yeah. album years. And I listened to it. It's basically, it's, it's describing everything that the world is accusing of uh, uh, Israel of doing. Mm -hmm. And it's called The Neighborhood Bully. But okay. in, at the end of the day, it's that, that little red yeah. dot. It's the opposite. So with question number eight or question number seven is anti-Semitism on the rise. Those are some examples I would give. What would yeah. you add yeah, to no, the list? It's uh, the the reason why I think not only it's on the rise, but it's uh, it's uh, a new uh, a new uh, iteration, a new a new breed of anti-Semitism is because now again Jews are being killed. Mm. The 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 woman that was uh, uh, that was thrown uh, out of her window is one of them in France. It was a 92 year old. Her name was Mireille Noll. She was killed. She was a Holocaust survivor. Oh my she was killed uh, in uh, in her apartment. Uh, I mean, the story of the uh, 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 here is a story that took place in 2015 in, in my own neighborhood. Okay, on the east side of Paris, that uh, Kosho supermarket. Remember. You know, yes. they, the, that guy went in and took hostages and killed four Jewish people on Friday afternoon on Shabbat. That was uh, that was where now? Uh, that was on the east side of Paris. Okay. Now, okay? let me let me say, interject something. I heard, I think I heard this from one of our mutual friends, that your own mother had talked to you on the phone and said, yeah. are they coming for us again? That's where I was going. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. You just stole my thunder. <laughs> Keep going. That's okay. I'm th you know, but that's that, no, but that's worth repeating. What 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 happened is that. Uh, um, uh, well, I, I need to back, back. It's, this is important. When my mother was 15, yes. uh, she lived in the house where she lived at the time when, when I talked to her when that, that thing happened in 2015. When she was 15, her father was hiding in the basement of the house where she still lived in mm -hmm. until recently. Um, uh, and one day the Gestapo came and said uh, to my grandmother, uh, your husband is in the building somewhere. Somebody called us and told us, so please tell him to come. And she, she lied. She said, I don't know where he is. And they said, if he doesn't come with us tomorrow... We'll take you and your daughter. Her daughter would be my mother. So her husband came back upstairs, and um, he was a, a Jew from Eastern Europe. He was not in France illegally, but in the, it, you know, mm -hmm. he was he was a, a foreign Jew. Mm -hmm. And in 1941, they were going after the foreign Jews, and they went after all the Jews. So uh, uh, he ex she explained to him, and he said, "Well, we we're not going to let that happen. I'll find another place to hide, and when I find a safe place, I'll come get you and Evelyn, my mother, Evelyn." And my grandma said, you can't do that because if you're not here tomorrow morning, they're going to take Evelyn and I. Mm. And he said, if that's the case, then I will go with them. 
Mm-hmm. And next morning, the Gestapo came back. He went with them, never returned. He died in Auschwitz. Wow. Now, my mother went to hide on a farm, survived the war, came back, got married, you know, and then now we're fast forward to 2015. In 2015, I called my mom and I said, Mom, the, su- the supermarket, they're taking hostages. I'm in Seattle at the time watching yeah. the news. And then she starts crying on the phone. I said, Mom, stay put. My sister lived in the area. She said, Brigitte, will come get you, whatever. Stay put. And she starts crying and she goes, Olivier, Are they coming back for us? 85-year-old at the time. She thought they were coming back to get the Jews. Bless her heart. And and so so the killing of the Jews, not in the numbers that we have seen during the Holocaust, uh, uh, but the killing of the Jews uh, simply because they're Jews is happening again. Uh, I, I have... I, I document this in my book, End Times Antisemitism. I don't have time to talk about it today, mm-hmm. but it started in 2012 in the south of France in Toulouse when a, mm-hmm. um, a Muslim uh, j- young man went to kill a rabbi and three students. And then there's more cases of that, including the two I told you about, the two ladies in Paris. And of course, uh, you look at uh, San Diego and uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, at those of the list in the last uh, three to five years. Well, let's skip number eight then and go right to number nine. Is there validity to thinking that we're back in the 1930s? And part of this is a historical understanding of something called Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass. Night of broken glass. What is that? And is that is that coming back? Kristallnacht uh, is uh, November nine, the night of November 9th and tenth, uh, nineteen thirty eight. Thirty eight. Okay. Thirty eight. Yeah. Nineteen uh, thirties. Uh, it's in Germany. It was basically an, an a, 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 it happened overnight. It was a, a pogrom slash a boycott of uh, Jewish businesses, burning of synagogues, and uh, uh, so hundreds of synagogues um, were uh, were burnt, destroyed. Businesses were uh, were boycotted, destroyed, and they were painting on the windows. You know, Juden like Jews mm-hmm. and and. Uh, uh, Incidentally, only about a hundred people died during Kristallnacht, under Jewish people. But every serious scholar of the Holocaust will tell you that Kristallnacht is the the the, the starting point of the final solution. Oh my god! They said that when you look at the Holocaust, the 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 the, the, the not the catalyst, but the starting point, the the spark mm-hmm. is November 9th, tenth, nineteen thirty eight, Kristallnacht. Wow! And today, uh, do we see boycott of Israel? I don't know. Have you heard of BDS? Yes. Okay, boycott, divestment, sanction. We could do another show on that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to invite myself again. Yeah, please. Uh, and so, boycott, divestment, sanction. We see boycott of of uh, of, of uh, Israeli products uh, by people that don't have a clue what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we see. Uh, well, I, I remember coming of age when the big boycott was against South Africa. Right. And we have to. It's an apartheid state, and so we need to boycott. And I see them making that same argument today concerning Israel. Is is Israel an apartheid state? How would you refute that? Uh, well, uh, Israel is being accused of of being uh, of of being several things. They're being accused of being. Uh, uh, doing ethnic cleansing. Yeah. So uh, last time I checked, when you do ethnic cleansing, is the people you're killing are getting smaller Shrink. and smaller and shrinking. The opposite okay? happening. And since 1948, there's more Arabs yeah. in Israel proper than they were in 1948 yeah. by about at least double. Right. Okay. More than that. So that's and that and non-Israelis serve at the highest levels, don't uh, they? Of we, government. We have. Uh, 
I, I don't I didn't check on the new government, but uh, uh, there's at least uh, two or three Arabs at the Knesset, at the Israeli mm -hmm. uh, uh, parliament. So yes, they have. Uh, they don't. I don't think they can make things change because two or three is not much. But right. they have a voice. But it They're shows accepted. You, it shows you that Israel can't be an apartheid state. No, Israel is the is the only democracy of the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is uh, they, 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 they being accused of being an apartheid state. Uh, I'll give you one example. When on a last time we went to take a group to Israel in nineteen uh, two thousand nineteen, on the last day, one of our tour members fell and so I we almost missed our plane because I took her to Hadassah Hospital in Jerusalem and spent about eight hours with her at the uh, at the uh, the hospital and we walked in and the triage nurse triage can tell you basically yes that's important or no you wait or you get out I mean they have the power to tell you you're mm. going to get in right away she was a Palestinian woman in the whole hijab mm, mm. outfit so she could have done yeah. whatever she she took care of us and yeah. she was very kind yeah in an apartheid state who hates the Palestinians. <laughs> so this, this is, is nonsense. Well, it's important because if you repeat a lie long enough, people believe it. That's and right. if you just keep saying BDS and connecting it with South Africa, your average millennial out there doesn't have the wherewithal or the facts at their fingertips it, to it refute fits, it. It fits the social justice agenda. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, you know, Israel is uh, is the 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 enemy, the oppressor, the occupier. And I'm sort of the view that they're using the same argument against the United States. All of our founding fathers were racists and slave owners, and you know, therefore we have to tear down the existing power structure and replace it with something else, usually Marxism. Isn't that the same argument they're using against the modern state of Israel? This is exactly the same yeah. argument. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting about America is I saw this thing online the other day it said if if America is such a racist country, why is everybody trying to get in? Still? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> Welcome to Texas. Now, You're, thank you. <laughs> um, so, the night of the Crystal Knocked. I mean, could you just sort of summarize? Is that 1930s are we in the 1930s again uh i think to yeah, we have to be careful i wrote two articles on my blog one saying six six reasons why we're 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 in the 1930s and there was an article that was talking about what's happening against the jews then uh, and I, I think you know against the jewish people yes we are getting close to where it was where mm. the jews were being ostracized the jews were being uh, uh, uh the boycott jewish things and then you even see some pogroms mm. po a pogrom is an organized riot against uh, against a people group a good example is fiddle on the roof you have mm -hmm. you know uh, so you see, we see some 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 pogroms, not not at the same uh, uh, scale that we saw in the eight, late 1800s in Eastern Europe, but we're starting to see some of those uh, pogroms and and boycott and and uh, you know. And, so we can say that we are mm -hmm. uh, in 1930s. What we have to be careful is when um, people are starting to use the 1930 um, um, uh, context and say that what's happening with with what's happening in 2021 with the world and how we are being pushed to do things and comply and not mm -hmm. comply that it's the same as the 1930s i i'm i'm very cautious with that because then it's minimizing the holocaust and 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 and, and trivializing the holocaust mm -hmm. and in the 1930s and using it to illustrate something that might be somewhat similar okay. i wrote an article when i say we have about five or six things that are similar and in, there's some differences. Yeah, some differences. Okay. It's worth the, the reading. Yeah, that's a good that's a good balanced perspective. But we're certainly not moving in the right direction. No, <laughs> no. 
Um, you wrote this book, The Time Is Now, and so I think this goes with number eight, which we skipped. Uh, where is it coming from? Where is anti-Semitism coming from? Well, we talked about it earlier in, ultimately the, in the Satan. show. Mm-hmm. It ultimately Satan, and uh, Satan is basically subcontracting his, his agenda of hatred to a lot of people. Okay. So it's coming from, the source is Satan, but he's like subcontracting it to uh, uh, Hollywood, yes. uh, 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 governments, uh, some countries, uh, uh, and uh, ch- some, even some churches. There are some church denominations that yep. actually have joined in the boycott, divestment, sanction uh, movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I talk about that in my book and on my uh, on my website, mm-hmm. and even on, on also on, uh, on on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I do a, a lot more details on that. Uh, so um, uh, on it's school campuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, academia. Um, Can we throw in um, Islam? Yes, I mean, okay. of course we can throw yeah. in Islam. I mean, Islam is uh, is a big... Uh, now... Well, I, I remember, you know, Louis Farrakhan and, you know, calling Jews, you know, blue-eyed devils or something right. like that. Um, I remember Jesse Jackson. Now, this is the social justice movement. Right. This is not Islam, but... I remember him bragging about how when he was working in a restaurant as a young man, he took pride in the fact that he would spit in the food of Jewish, you know, food that he was preparing for Jewish people. I've never heard that. So we've got Islam, we've got the social justice movement. We haven't even touched on Christendom, which we will in a second. Um yeah, Hollywood, and, and and you know Farrakhan is like nation of Islam. It's not yeah. really the pure Islam okay. as, as we see. Oh, I mean, you, you know that. I mean, but uh, uh, when I talk about Islam, um, I always like to tell people Muslims are the first uh, victims of Islam. Mm-hmm. They need Jesus. Yes, as much as the Jews need Jesus, as much as anybody else who mm-hmm. doesn't have Jesus. So uh, Islam doesn't mean all Muslims are bad. Just like right. when we talked about Nazi Germany, doesn't sure. mean all Germans are bad. We have to we have to make make sure that that people understand that. Uh, but Islam uh, basically teaches that yeah, the Jew is the enemy, and then you know basically mm-hmm. the, you have to get rid of all the Jews. Okay. That's why they want to destroy Israel. And and in the the Hamas conference, they said once once we've destroyed Israel, which comes mm-hmm. soon. Apparently, mm-hmm. then where do we go uh, to get the rest of the yeah. Jews? So I like what you said. Satan has a lot of willing subcontractors right. that Sub- are cooperating yes. with him. Yes, and it's either because of a poor education, people don't know what the truth about Israel, mm-hmm. because some lies has been perpetrated for the last, well, since 1948. You mm-hmm. know, and, and the coming on the scene of Arafat, who's been, you mm-hmm. know, feeding the lies about the Palestinian displaced people mm-hmm. and people don't even question it anymore yeah. now they just question why is israel so bad yeah. 50 years ago it was like is it really true yeah. can it be proven and then you keep keep at it keep at it and then yeah. you know, Go- so. goebbels repeat a lie long enough people right. will believe it all right well this is a nice transition to number 10 you recently wrote a piece about a letter from hitler that you think is important why is that? What is? What were you trying to communicate there? It was well, because it was a letter that was written in 1919 by Hitler, mm-hmm. and in it, it's I think the first, the earliest uh, letter 
on record where he uses the word anti-Semitism. Mm. When he says that we have to get rid of the Jewish people, we have to make them all aliens in Germany, and eventually we have to get rid of all of them. That's 1919, which is mm -hmm. 14 years mm -hmm. before he became the Chancellor of oh Germany. Wow. And even four years before he started writing Mein Kampf in prison. Unbelievable. So that was, uh, that's very early. And it's in, in the article, I explained that this, this shows that Hitler was, uh, had that agenda early on. One thing about Hitler I would love your audience to know. Please. Is that, because I made the mistake, I remember Rydelnik corrected me in, uh, at Moody, mm -hmm. I, when he talked about the Holocaust, you know, I said, yeah, that, Hitler was insane. He goes, Olivia, no. Absolutely not. Hitler was not insane. He was evil. Because insanity, if you claim insanity, you can be exonerated from yeah. your acts. The de defense and criminal law. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So and you, have a, uh, you know a little bit about, about law, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> so, so Hitler was not insane. Mm -hmm. Goebbels, uh, all, you know, uh, Goering, and uh, you know, all those guys, they were not insane. They were evil. They were demon-possessed. Okay. They were not insane. So evil, no evil and insanity are two different things. And like like what you just said, it, it's inexcusable. Right. It's inexcusable. Um, you know, in fact, I've felt for a long time, going back to Mein Kampf, and, and you're quoting things that precede Mein Kampf, that one of the biggest mistakes we've made in history is we don't take people at their word. When they tell us they're going to do something, and they think it out, and they write it out, we just dismiss it. And world history would be very different if we took people at their word, at face value, right out of the gate. Remember, Hitler was elected. He did not uh, steal yeah. the power. He was elected. And people that said we want paper you. trail was available to yep. research. Wow. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of all of that, in Texas, it was just announced that if a teacher teaches on the Holocaust, they should teach on the opposite view. What does that mean? That's what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> what, 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 so if you teach on the Holocaust, you've got to teach the opposite view. Does that mean you have to be a Holocaust denier in the state of Texas? Uh, so, what, so what is this talking about? This is what, uh, when that happened about a week or so ago, now this was, again, this is, uh, this is the, uh, uh, I think that's the latest article that I just... Uh, uh, on your I blog? Just, I just put on my blog okay. a couple of days ago. And, uh, and basically, uh, there is a, a House bill that was passed in Texas, House Bill 3979, where... Uh, uh, it was to protect people from the cr critical race theory mm -hmm. in schools. So it's it's not a bad bill, yeah, okay? Good. But if you know, like every bill, if you if you take it to the wrong extreme, yes. it could become dangerous. And so so this uh, school administrator in a meeting said, "Now, if you're going to be teaching on the Holocaust in Texas, you need to make sure you have an uh, opposite or an alternative view to the 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 the, 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 the to yeah. the Holocaust." And a teacher immediately said. What is an opposing view <laughs> to the Holocaust? And of course, nobody could answer. Yeah. And so in the article, I explained that uh, the first thing it says, in, in when you read the, uh, the short bill, it says that if you teach on current events, so the first point, when I was talking to my wife about it, and I said, if you teach on current events, she looks at me, she goes, the Holocaust is not a current event. Right. Of course it's not. It took place 77 years ago. Right. It's, it's, it's part of history. You like it or not, it's part of history. So it is not a current event. It is not something that should be, uh, uh, that should be brushed off. It should be, it should be taught. Uh, in the article I quote also, I'm sure you know about uh, the, 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 the visit that General um, Eisenhower uh, did in the camps. 
Yeah. Uh, it was the Ordof uh, camp, not a major camp, but it mm -hmm. was already bad enough mm -hmm. that he came and he wrote a letter to Ge uh, General Marshall and he said, I'm writing this letter, I'm touring the camps of every corner of the camp to document firsthand right. what I saw so that in case in 50 years somebody says it never happened, they can't. Right. And by the way, I, I found another, uh, another uh, piece of information in the research on that mm -hmm. is that while General um, uh, Eisenhower was touring the camp, General Patton was throwing up. Wow, and for you know everybody you know remembers General sure. Patton as this. Sure. He, sure, he was a very strong man, but he couldn't take it. He couldn't take he it. He couldn't wow. take it. Unbelievable. I, I believe this that one of the smartest things the nation of Israel ever did, and I've I've been to Israel I think three times now, and every time I go, we've gone to Yad Vashem in Jerusalem, right? Yad Vashem, yeah. Uh, the Holocaust Memorial, and every time I tour that, I say this is the smartest thing they've ever done, because when you go through that, it's undeniable that the Holocaust happened. Yeah. And we have today people, maybe they're not deniers, but they're marginalizers of the Holocaust, and they say it wasn't as bad as you're making it out to be. I think some of these Middle East dictators, I want to say Ahmadinejad, of, formerly of Iran, did some kind of master's thesis or doctoral dissertation on Holocaust? Mah Mahmoud Abbas. Abbas, okay. Yeah. Holocaust denial. Mahmoud Abbas did his doctoral dissertation on Holocaust denial. So that was brilliant that they documented that in Yad Vashem, the Holocaust memorial, so accurately. It's, it's undeniable that the Holocaust and happened. I, and I Let me just throw oh, this sorry. in. Well, I would say this, that the reason why, because I've wondered why are people denying or marginalizing? The Holocaust, I think the answer is it's the Holocaust that put the world community on the side of Zionism by saying the Jews, the Hebrews, need their own land. They need their own country. They right. need their own nationality. Right. And so if you have some kind of problem with the modern state of Israel and you understand that it's the Holocaust that really created Zionism, your natural tendency politically is to... Maybe not deny the Holocaust, but marginalize it. Well, if yeah, if if you support the the the, the events of the Holocaust, then it's going to be difficult for you to to be against Israel. Yeah, because Israel needs a needs a, a safe Clearly. place to absolutely. Yeah. By the way, I wanted to say before I forget Please. that uh, uh, talking about Yad Vashem, uh, you know, I, I every time I take a group uh, to Israel, we always have we spend a day in Yad Vashem. But uh, if people in the United States cannot go to Israel, or I don't know, there's a very good um, uh, memorial uh, museum in Washington, D.C. Okay. We've I went there, there when I was at Moody, and it's yeah. very well done. Well done. Very well done. Well, I heard that it was actually Israeli law that when foreign dignitaries visit the state of Israel, they have to be taken to the Holocaust Memorial. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. with that. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I think, double-check me on that. By the way, I 2013, and I, I'm, I'm really, really proud of that. 2000, two, 2013, uh, uh, this a couple of farmers from southwest France were added to the wall of honor of the righteous Gentiles oh, wow. for hiding my mother during oh, the war. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So when I go and I go to the back, you know, they have a wall of all the names and all the years, and I see their name, not my mother's name, but just their name, and I know that because of what they did, 
I am well, here most alive people today. You use that expression, righteous Gentiles. Um, you might want to explain what that means. That's what Oscar Schindler did, right? right? To, to hide the Jews Corey from. Tenboom. Corey Tenboom. So, what is a righteous Gentile? A righteous Gentile is, uh, it was uh, something that was uh, uh, started by Yad Vashem mm-hmm. in 1953. Mm-hmm. And it is a Gentile, and they, 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 the, the criteria for uh, uh, selecting a righteous Gentile, you have to be a Gentile can be Jewish. You have to uh, have helped Jewish people during uh, the Holocaust mm-hmm. uh, 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 for no uh, no money or no mm-hmm. nothing. Right. And you have to be uh, risking your own life. I see. Okay. And uh, so those, and there's one more, I keep, I keep forgetting, I think that those are the main three. You have to be Gentile, helping Jews and uh, with no, not taking any money for it and then risking your own freedom or your mm-hmm. own life. And uh, so what happened is that um, Usually these people don't come and say, hey, I did it. It's people finding them. Yeah. So in the case of my mother, they found that family 70 years later and they started the, 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 the document, you know, they're sending photos. Is it you? Did you, did yeah. you have these Jewish kids? And so eventually they get nominated and then they get, uh, they get a medal, the family. So wow. the two brothers got a medal on their parents' behalf because yeah. the parents were gone. And then their name gets added. They used to have a tree planted. Mm-hmm. So if, yes. you, if, you go, uh, if you go, you see trees planted, right. but now they don't have the room anymore. So they have a wall with, a, with, the, uh, uh, with the names. There's about 50,000 righteous Gentiles in the world to date. Wow. Only two from the United States. Well, let me throw this at you. That's my interpretation of the sheep and goat judgment because the Jews are going to need help in the tribulation. And the sheep uh, demonstrate themselves as believers by their willingness, James 2, faith without works is dead, by their willingness to help Israel during her time of greatest need. And it's on that basis that the Lord says, okay, you're a believer. These are the survivors of the tribulation. You're a believer. You enter the kingdom. You're not a believer. You don't enter the kingdom. You're cast off the earth into Hades. So I tie this concept of righteous Gentiles right into an eschatological judgment that the Lord is going to administer for believe uh, for survivors of the tribulation, is that your understanding? That is exactly my understanding. As a matter of fact, in the book, the time is now. The mm-hmm. latest book that I uh, it's a sh- short book. It's not a long read, but the last chapter of the book, which t- turned out to be also my my uh, final thesis in my master's degree, uh, is uh, based on uh, Matthew twenty five thirty one through forty six, okay. the sheep and the goat. Right. And uh, but I, I I'd like to take it one step further. I agree with you. Uh, some people look at this and they go, "Oh, it's salvation by works." No, like you just right. said, they are saved and they see there is a need to help as well. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it may be risky. And their it's, own life. it's a unique time period, right? Exactly. Uh, and but the way I look at it, and as I I look at what happened during the war, the righteous Gentiles, uh, and how they are defined then i look at what's going to happen uh in the future after the rapture during the tribulation and then i i want to challenge our, our our fellow christians today why wait yeah the way things are going against the jews right now why wait if you can help your jewish friends if you can uh if there's a time that you're going to need to protect them or feed them or shelter them be there for them there's no better time right now for a christian to reach out to their jewish friends and say i'm here for you well that's a natural transition skipping 12 for a minute to number 13 can christians actually do anything to stem the tide of anti-semitism what would you well recommend and, and the uh 
at the risk of making some people upset, the first chapter in my book is the first thing that Christians can do to help the Jewish people is to read their Bible correctly. And how do they do that? Uh, I would say a literal, uh, grammatical, historical approach to Scripture. Uh, and is to stay away from this idea that the New Testament abrogates the Old. Right. You, Abrogation is an Islamic doctrine, where right. one you, set of texts causes another set of texts yes. to disappear. Yes. We, we don't believe that the New Testament rewrites the Old. No. We believe you understand the New Testament in light of what God has already revealed in the Old, uh, or else God would be a liar. How can you possibly understand the book of Revelation without the prophets? That's right. Of the Old Testament, absolutely, it makes no sense at all. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're both they both connected. They both need. Uh, I really wish we would have one Bible with not old and new, because the word old means yeah. old and and yeah. not needed anymore. Yeah. It's been superseded by the new. Right. And uh, so, uh, read your Bible correctly. Uh, uh, somebody told me recently. Uh, I forgot. Uh, I think it was my my friend Jim Sibley said, "If you read, if you understand Israel, you understand your Bible." Amen. Amen. So we're teaching Genesis right now, right in chapter twelve. Well, there you go. And um, I think there's a covenant there. Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> um, Knowing you, you're going to be there for about six weeks, just on chapter yeah, twelve, one through three. Well, it might just be in one verse there, you know, for all I know. But all right, well, you know, here I here I wanted to condense this, and I throw number twelve at you. Has Christ, Christendom been a historic ally of anti-Semitism? We can go back to some scathing, vitriolic statements that Martin Luther made at the end of his life. Right. We can go through church history and right. see some of the most uh, uh, abominable yeah. statements against Israel. Yeah, it's, I, it's, a, it's a real black eye, isn't it, on Christendom? It's Christianity? A, it's, it's a black eye on Christ, on Christianity. Not not, not uh, the word Christendom is probably better because okay. it includes the Catholics. Alrighty. and and I think we need to do that yep. in in this case. Um, but uh, I have uh, and I I have this illustration that I put together uh, that we might be able to. I don't know if we'll be able to show it or not, but uh, I didn't give it to you in advance. It's a suitcase, uh, like an old-fashioned suitcase, and on it I put uh, stickers. You know, like with, mm -hmm. you know Paris, Tokyo, London, New York. Where I put stickers like the Black Plague, the, the Crusades, the Inquisition, the Holocaust, Martin Luther, the Church Fathers, and those are all the things that my Jewish people know about when it comes to Christians. Now, not all Christians are guilty of all that, and not all Christians are, sure. unfortunately, aware of those who are Most guilty. Most aren't. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I, I went through law school, not to be overly stereotypical, I had access to a lot of Jewish professors and Jewish students, and when I spoke up about Jesus, I could see the the walls going up. Because I was walking in with this unknown suitcase that you described so well. Uh, they were interpreting me in light of all of this history, and I was clueless about it. And I was wondering why my evangelism wasn't very fruitful. And that's that, <laughs> I spend a lot of time doing this when I go speak in churches and in conferences, and we've been in many together. Uh, and basically, I try, I, I tell people, we have this, you as a Gentile Christian, you have this suitcase that you take with you in the room when you talk to your Jewish friend. You take it, you cannot ignore it, mm -hmm. you cannot uh, uh, erase it, you cannot take some of the stickers out, you have to open it. And you have to discuss—not discuss, but you have mm -hmm. to be aware yeah. of what's in it. And and if 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 
it's brought up, then you have to have some kind of an answer. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Holocaust is a hard one to answer, right. uh, but y- you have to know the history at least to right. uh, Christians who say, you know, if, if a Jewish person looks at you and says, what about the Inquisition? Most Christians would go like, what about it? Yeah. Uh, so you have to know. You have to know the Christian walks in the room with that, with that baggage and, 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 and it's, it's going to be what's in the way of, of making a conversation fruitful. Mm-hmm. So know the people you're going to talk to, know their history, and unfortunately, you can punctuate Jewish history with acts of anti-Semitism going back 2,000 years. Yeah. So the answer to the question, has Christendom been a historic ally of anti-Semitism? Sadly, the answer is yes. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a historic uh, ally of anti-Semitism? Yeah, absolutely. A book that was helpful to me and I don't endorse everything this man says. Whenever I bring up the book, I get a bunch of people mad at Our me. Our hands were stained with blood. Yes, Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. I Sorry know, for jumping. The- <laughs> yeah, I know he's. I'm reading your mind. He's kind of uh, into the, some theology that I'm not into. But I thought in that particular book, not a blanket Excellent. endorsement, but in that book, I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Um, just going through primary sources, explaining how this is a black eye. For Christianity or Christendom, as you I, prefer, I, I did the same thing in my uh, similar in my book, Anti Antisemitism. I mm-hmm. give a history of classic antisemitism with all the you know the Church Fathers, the Middle Ages, the the, the Black Plagues, the the poisoning of the well, the greedy Jew, all those things how they came about. And uh, I think he and I, I mean, we 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 use a lot of the same sources. One of the greatest books mm-hmm. I've used for source, and I still use it to this day when I teach on about antisemitism, is uh, The Anguish of the Jews by uh, Edward Flannery. Okay. Who, who, who is dead now. He published a book, I think, in 1965, and he was a Jesuit priest. Mm-hmm. And he really says it like it is. Mm-hmm. And he has a respect for the Catholic Church, but not a blind respect. Right. And he's really a great scholar. Mm-hmm. And what I had to do for my book is I had to go back to the Church Fathers. That was not easy. I had to go back to the Church Fathers because be, if I'm going to say that, you know, that uh, Chrysostom said this, if somebody says, ask me where, and so I had to go back and find the Latin yes. and then do a translation of the Latin. It yeah. took me forever. Well, that's what scholarship is and about. And I only took two work. years of Latin when I was a kid yeah. in France. I don't remember. Right. Yeah. Do you know well, Latin? No. Oh. No, we had we had we had some Latin terms in law school, but I'm yeah. I'm no by no stretch of the imagination an expert. So, well, what about today? You've got mainline denominations boycotting the state of Israel under the BDS lie, uh, trying to equate it with South Africa. Israel's an apartheid state. I mean, Christendom, to me, to a large extent today, is continuing to cooperate with um, the anti-Semitic agenda, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are. And so, I, I, th- I think, you know, maybe I was a little more feisty when, uh, when I was younger, but right now, at my age, I think I just want to pick my battles. Okay. And uh, if I have a better chance to talk to a congregant about something rather than change the mind of a pastor. It would make, it would make a lot more sense to mm-hmm. change the mind of a pastor that would talk to his congregation and say, okay, I was wrong. This is where we're supposed to do yeah. it. But very often, they're set in their ways yeah. and, and because of the way they were taught in seminary. Yes. That's, that's another topic. Well, we're talking here about replacement theology, right. sometimes called supersessionism, that the church has superseded Israel's place and the church is now the new Israel. And I don't want to make a wild charge that every replacement theologian is anti-Semitic, because I don't know people's hearts, but I know this much. If I was a Jew hater, 
I would be much more comfortable in that system than I would in our system that interprets Bible prophecy literally and indicates that Israel is going to be head of the nations one day. Not every, you, you said it right, not every person who uh, holds to the view of replacement theology is going to be anti-Semitic, but anti-Semitic people will definitely endorse replacement yeah. theology because sure. that goes with their agenda. Yeah. God is done with the Jews, yeah. and I am too. Yeah. My understanding is Islam loves replacement theology. Of course. Yeah. All right, well, um, here's something I wanted to get to. This will be our last big-ticket item. Um, I wanted to bring this in because I've seen this in a lot of our pro-Zionist, pro-Israel people where they've taken the Israel position and they've pushed it too far. Yeah. Examples are, some people say, you don't have to evangelize Jews because they're saved through their own special covenant, dual covenant theology. I think that's refuted in Romans 9 verse 3, where Paul says, for I could wish that I myself were separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. There's no way Paul would say that if Israel was saved without Yeshua, through their own special covenant. And do you think maybe Paul read, uh, I don't know if he read it, but what about uh, John 3, Nicodemus? Yeah. I mean, Nicodemus was Jewish. He was, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to he goes to Yeshua and, 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 and he's like, you know, in, inquiring about, about how to be right in God's eyes. And, and, and the whole dialogue when he comes to Yeshua is, uh, I'm Jewish. I'm 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 a part of the Sanhedrin. I'm the head of a Jewish academy. I'm a rabbi. I'm I'm everything. I'm the I'm super Jew. Yeah. I'm super Jew. And you're telling me I'm I'm still not in. And no, you have to be born again. Have you have born, to be born yeah. of water and born of the Spirit. So right there. Yeah. I mean, you have to have. Uh, yeah. I mean, we we Jewish people do not have a special uh, a special ticket to get yes. to God. Yeah. It's the same for everybody. Yeah. I think the Germany this heresy was called Zonderweg meaning special way, and yet one of the biggest pro-Israel pastors in the world today uh, has been accused of teaching this dual covenant theology. And, and this is not a very old view. It's about maybe 80-some okay. years, uh, because I, uh, I think the first, the, it was made popular in a book, the, the, uh, uh, the Star of Redemption by okay. a, a guy by the name of, and I think he's German, was German, and Franz, Franz Rosenzweig. Mm-hmm. And it was the idea that Christians have the Jesus way, and Jews, by virtue of being sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're in good standing with mm-hmm. God, so they don't need anything else. Yeah. And it's being, uh, and it's, uh, we call it what, dual covenant theology? Dual covenant, yeah. yeah. Two different covenants, but yeah. that's not biblical. My professor, who I greatly respect, Dr. Ron Allen, called dual covenant theology the ultimate act of anti Semitism because you're depriving from the Jewish people what they need for salvation, which is faith alone in Yeshua, faith alone in Christ alone. Yeah, it, it's, it doesn't go well when people come to me and say, what about this ministry that you, you, you're thinking yeah, of? Yeah, and they yeah. mention the name, and I said, I, I, I think that in, in their own human way, they want to love Israel, and they want to do a lot of good humanitarian things for Israel, which is good, mm-hmm. but by refraining from sharing the gospel with Jewish people, it, it is an act of anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. because basically, I, 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 the picture I give is it's hugging a Jewish person all the way as you push him over a cliff. Oh my goodness. You hug them, I love you, I love you, I love yeah. you, and I push you wow. over the cliff to your death. That's so. a powerful word picture. 
Um, here's another example of pushing the pro-Israel position too far. We we now have somebody uh, that has been running around saying that if you're not a Zionist as a Christian, you're not going to be raptured. Yes. Or, or or you're not a true Christian. If you do not support Israel, you will not be raptured. I've heard that. And I've you actually that. you actually blogged. Not necessarily about a person, but you no. blogged about that position. That, that position, I, blo- I blogged about that position, and uh, and uh, I, I I stand my ground. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'll go even a step further. Uh, but first of all, it doesn't say you know that you know, what 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 must one do to be saved? Believe in what Yeshua you know believed uh, in what Yeshua did for you and his death and resurrection, and you're saved. Yeah, I mean. Did you think the the uh, thief on the cross loved Israel? Did you have the time to think about that? I don't see. I think what's happening with this is they're confusing birth truths with growth truths. Yeah. To to be born, you have to trust in Christ alone for salvation. Your position on Israel that comes typically through proper understanding of God's word, meditating on God's word. I mean, I had no understanding of Israel when I got saved, but I grew into loving Israel because I became a student of the Bible, Absolutely. and I figured out God loves Israel, so why would I want to curse what God has blessed? But I never took it as, oh, I just became a Christian because I started loving Israel. So, in other words, they've taken a, a, a growth truth, and they've transferred into a birth truth, which which is heretical, isn't it? Because you're adding to... Uh, the condition that's necessary to be saved. You're but adding if, a if, human work. If if you're not raptured as a, a as a person because you don't love Israel, or if you're not raptured, period, that means that you're not a Christian. Yeah. So I, I'm going to take this one step further, and, and and it really pains me to say this, but I need to say it. If the Nazi guard that might have pushed my grandfather into the gas chamber turned around, went home, went to church, and found Jesus the next Sunday, I will spend eternity with him in heaven. Yeah. And sure. that in, in my human, you know, sure. in my finite hum, humanity, it really bothers me. Yeah, but that's the truth, and, biblical truth. Well, and beyond that, the, I I would assume Martin Luther was a believer, and yet yeah. he said some derogatory things right. about Israel. So, if the rapture had occurred in his generation, according to this line of thought, Luther and all of the Protestant reformers, for that a matter, lot of them. and a lot of the would, would, would not, and a lot of the church fathers would not have been raptured. Right. And so, right. so that's that, that that's a, that's a system that we reject. Yeah. And then another way people push the pro-Israel position too far is what's called the, uh, not not all of it, but some varieties of the Hebrew roots movement. Right. And and what I mean by that is they want to take the church, and they don't want to just educate you about the Old Testament or Hebrew Bible. They don't want to just educate you about the feasts. They want to say you have to be practicing the Mosaic Law, and you have to be practicing the feasts, and they're trying to, and they're making it obligatory, mm-hmm. and they're trying to take the Church of Jesus Christ and put it under the Mosaic Law, when Psalm 147, verses 19 and 20 says the law was given only to one nation, you know, the nation of Israel, not the church. Not the church. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I, I reread this morning... Uh, uh, Romans nine ten eleven, you know, to yeah. kind of you know because it's big deal to, to, to have it fresh in my head. Yeah. Uh, not that it was not. I read that one a lot, but uh, in 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 Romans eleven, Paul 
is very, very detailed about mm-hmm. the roots and the branches being grafted in. You mm-hmm. know, like Fruchtenbaum says, they're, they're partakers, not taker Yes. I love that. I, I stole love that too, from him, yeah. but I always give him credit. Yes. And, uh, uh, the, well, you're, better, you're a better man than I am. I just use it and don't give anybody credit. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but Paul gives a lot of detail in chapter 11 yes. about the roots and the, the natural branches and the, and the wild branches, and if the wild branches do this. And the, so you think if you wanted the church, the Gentile church, which right there is, is a misnomer. There's no Gentile church. There's a church with Jews and Gentiles together in the body of Messiah. Mm-hmm. You remain a Gentile, mm-hmm. I remain a Jew. Justification of our sins, we go into the church. Ethnically, we're the same, but we're now new creatures. And uh, So there's no Gentile church in Jewish church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a church of Jews and Gentiles. Okay. One church. You agree with me? I do. Okay. I absolutely agree with so, you. So the, uh, this and, idea and, and that new man is never called Israel. No. No, and but the 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 the, um, the Hebrew uh, the Hebrew roots movement uh, they believe that once a Gentile becomes a believer, they are grafted in Israel and they become part of a greater international s- sort of Israel, mm-hmm. and they by virtue of that they become somewhat Jewish, maybe not ethnically, but maybe spiritually, which mm-hmm. of course is not biblical. So, and again, Paul would have. Something that important, mm-hmm. you think Paul would have said something yeah, in his writings? And absolutely, he didn't. So our point, folks, is as we become zealous for Israel, and we ought to be, because Israel is beloved on the behalf of the patriarchs. Paul says in yes. Romans eleven twenty eight, he even says that currently they're your enemies, and I think he's speaking there of the Sanhedrin persecuting the early church in Acts. They were the troublemakers, mm-hmm. but Paul says, as far as the patriarchs are concerned, they're beloved. So we ought to love Israel, but let's not go too far, and let's not venture into dual covenant theology. Let's not say, let's not confuse birth and growth truths and tell people they have to love Israel, or they're not a Christian, or they're not going to be raptured. And let's not put the church under the Mosaic law, because the whole book of Galatians, by the way, was written to prevent that mindset from happening. They're, they're repeating the Galatian heresy. Yeah, and in doing some of those things, they're basically rebuilding the middle wall of partition. There, there you go. Great way of putting it. And that wall's described in Ephesians 2, 14, 15, 16, right in there, how it's been abolished. All right, last question. This will be fast. How can people get a hold of you? How can people get a hold of me? Well, uh, again, uh, my uh, my bio and uh, the... the, 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 the uh, the ministry that we're part of is chosenpeopleministries.com. If they want to get my weekly, daily articles and uh, devotions, they go to either newantisemitism.com for my articles or Olivier Melnick, uh, Today Through Jewish Eyes. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, and there's a lot of information there that you can get. And uh, tell your friends. Awesome. I don't want to be the best kept secret. Yes, that's why we had you on. And Thank you. Um, we, I had a lot of other announcements I was going to make, but we're short on time, so I'm not. I'm just going to bring up this one that Olivier and myself, by the time this uh, particular broadcast gets uploaded on, what do we say, October the 29th, um, November 5th and 7th, just a few days down the road, we're going to be speaking at a conference. Uh, entitled How Close Are We? And I think people can find out about that at thehiddenday.com. It's a prophecy conference. 
And I Billy, posted the info on my, face, on my Facebook. You probably did too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Billy Crone is going to be one of the speakers. Jeff Kinley is going to be one of the speakers. Uh, my, Dr. Mike Spaulding. And you would? I think is spearheading it myself. And then, of course, um, Olivier Melnick. So uh, keep your eye on that. And um, boy, what, what, a, what a great session. I felt the Lord was in this. and Thank you. It's very important. Um, I just kind of felt frustrated because we have so many. It's such an important issue. We had to kind of condense, believe it or not, even though we've been talking for close to an hour and a half. I feel like this subject um, is deserving of multiple, multiple months of discussion. But well, yeah, but every question you ask could be a show in and of itself. So absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's what my wife tells me all the time, by the way. So with that being said, we're going to sign off. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time on Pastor's Point of View.